What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more Terrible Wrestling Takes. All right, all right. I'm back. Uh, week off. Handled the family business. Feels good to be back. Been thinking about recording, but didn't have the energy. And now that everything's taken care of, here we go. You know, we had some pretty good shows over the last week, but I think I'm just going to stick with Halloween Havoc and SmackDown for this. I, I chose not to go back and rewatch Raw because uh, Raw is just kind of it's a mess right now. They got to figure out what they got going on. Let's start with Halloween Havoc. Look, I absolutely love Shotzi, but I think she was having just a little bit too much fun. But it was the element we did need throughout the night for her to get all ramped up about this stuff. Because, you know, this it we needed a pay-per-view feel. And I didn't get that. Uh, the picture-in-picture thing was cool where they did the commercials but still had the matches going. But it didn't give me the, the pay-per-view feel. So if we... You know, just just do this shit on the weekend, especially this weekend would have been perfect as we record this. It is Saturday, Halloween. So, you know, that's the, the perfect day to have done it. But I, I think in the future, if Halloween Havoc is a takeover uh, and we got a show like this, it, I'm thinking undeniably because, you know, like Santos Escobar and Jake Atlas, they, they barely had time. For some reason, their match just wasn't long at all. And that's a match I think we all could have gotten behind for a good fucking 15, 20 minutes, right? So, anyway, you know, the show started out with Johnny Gargano versus Damian Priest. And uh, awesome, awesome, awesome match. Had it not gone to picture-in-picture, I think would have been four, four and a half stars, you know? I mean, it just, it was great. You know, Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest have, have great chemistry together. A shout-out to Johnny Gargano coming out as Jack Skellington. Uh, I've dressed up as Jack Skellington for Halloween before. Uh, I rock a baldy, so I painted the entire head white. Black eyes on the makeup. Uh, my wife was Sally, and our son was Oogie Boogie. Uh, this is pretty dope, pretty dope Halloween. So shout-out to Johnny for, for coming out as Jack in the costume. Candace later on coming out as Sally. You know, shout out. And then Ray Ripley having lock, shock, and barrel on her tights. You know, very dope, very dope. So, look, I mean, look, they, the chemistry between Johnny and Damien is awesome. They did some really cool shit. One of my favorite things of the match was Johnny Gargano hitting that modified Selena Del Sol on the ring steps for the pin and, you know, the kick out, of course, because it was still early on. Um, and then everything they did up on top by the wheel was pretty cool, too. It, you know, the, this match had the vibes of, um, you know, like may, closing the show. Is, is, is how it felt for me. And I don't think, I don't really think it overshadowed the rest of the show. But, you know, for what it was, you know, it, it felt like a show closer. And to the, to the wheel, I mean, I, I predicted that the wheel would be virtual so they can rig it. But it still kind of looked like they rigged where they wanted it to go. And I'm not too concerned with that. But I, it made it kind of obvious that, you know, nothing crazy was going to happen. At least the way it stopped on the first match. It could just been by chance. I don't know. It just felt like it was, you know, rigged to make it, you know, the first match to false count anywhere and then the last match be a um a TLC match. So, um look, I don't I don't necessarily mind the title switch if they're going to tell a story, but again, this wasn't a pay-per-view and it was a great match. 
but I didn't get the vibes of pay-per-view. And now we have a title switch for what? Like I said before, it was either Candice wins the title or they win both titles or they don't win any titles. But Johnny being the title holder and Candice not is... It doesn't give you the Gargano way thing going. For instance, Johnny kind of leads the charge in the Gargano way. So what's Candace going to say? She's just going to do promos on how she gets fucked over. I'm not really understanding what's going to happen with Candace. And, and we got to find out who the mystery guy is in the Scream costume. I said this for a couple weeks now. If the Gargano way is cheat to win, then you need to cheat to win all the time. And you need to do it all the time. You need to succeed at cheating to win all the time because if it only works a little bit, then you're just kind of, I don't know, Ric Flaring it. Like it doesn't really, it works and it doesn't work, it works and it doesn't work. And then it's just about you and it's not about your partners or the, the people that you wrestle against. So I don't know. Uh, I, I'm okay with the title change if we're going to get a story. I I don't know what what's going to happen though, right? Is this, because Damian Priest needs it or Damian Priest needs to go onto a roster, uh, Raw or SmackDown. I, I don't know. Why they would change now. Crazy shit on Halloween Havoc 2. Pat McAfee showed up with uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. And they're official, man. And look, I he laid out the promo exactly how exactly how I called it. I The only thing I didn't expect was Pete Dunne to join. But I think that means that this, this Pat McAfee, Ridge Holland faction with Birch and Lorcan is, is supposed to have happened. And it's a, a key story of what they're going to tell going forward. And I think that's because they don't want to leave out Bobby Fish or Roderick Strong. So you need a four-on-four. So adding in Pete Dunne is perfect. A shredded, handsome Pete Dunne. I've never considered him an attractive guy, um, the way he carried himself. But the way he came out, I was like, damn, man, glad my wife's not watching. But no, in all seriousness, um, it's it's a great look for Pete Dunne. Uh, Not doing the wrestling tights. It's a little bit more grown. He dropped a ton of weight but shredded up perfectly. I mean... Uh, shout out to Pete Dunn for coming back. And he's, man, who doesn't love Pete Dunn? He's so talented. So, yeah, um, so we're going to have four on four, Undisputed Era versus whatever this McAfee faction is. But the way he laid it out was exactly like I was talking the last couple weeks. And the fact that he called Ridge Holland a, a bigger, more handsome version of him, it's kind of what uh, myself and Justin Time 211 were talking about. Like, we, we, we kind of found this parallel early on and. You know, you get lucky when you say these things. So to say that I called it is is just silly. But I definitely, I felt the vibe and the vibe made sense. And every step of the way, they're building towards something really cool. Now, NXT is not part of Survivor Series this year. So it's not likely to have four on four at Survivor Series. But they're building it as quick as if they're going to do that. So, you know, maybe this turns into a, a War Games weekend, you know, that that's more than fine. I think we'll all enjoy that. So let's see. Let's see where this ends up. But I, I, it's definitely going to be a four-on-four thing. And, and, and I like the four on each side. So I think it's a great call. It's a great call. Next up, we got the, the Santos Escobar Jake Atlas match. Like I said earlier, it, it is a shame that we didn't get 18 minutes of it on a pay-per-view. It, it wasn't heading towards a classic or nothing, but it really didn't get started. And then it finished with an interference headbutt. And Jake Atlas didn't have the support, you know, that he had last week from Ashanti the Adonis and from Swerve Scott. So he's just out there by himself and Escobar comes out with his homies and it's just like, well, there you go. So I don't know. It would have been nice to have, like I said, a nice, nice 15 to 18 minute match. But we didn't get that because it's not a pay-per-view. So Haunted House of Terror match uh, again, again, though, this is something again that's perfect for a pay-per-view. You can... You can blur the lines a little bit. 
you know, and I don't know, it it was it was campy, it was ridiculous, it was hokey, definitely some some scary parts, but like I said last week, I think I'm done with Cameron Grimes the character. It's a little too over the top. It's a little too, you know, Mr. Regal, Mr. Regal, Mr. Regal, Mr. Regal, like all that stuff, that's got to go. That's got to go. He's he's way too talented of a wrestler to be camped up as the character. He he can't keep you know, being a clown when he's this talented. But again, Dexter Loomis, he is the guy that is Haunted House of Terror. I mean, the guy is creepy looking. And they did a great job with the graphics on the zombies and shit like that. And, you know, but I don't know. I guess I was a little let down. Uh, I figured Dexter Loomis would win. Uh, made a lot of sense. But, yeah, Cameron Grimes as the character, the the southern, you know, he's turning into the to the southern hillbilly, the, the idiot, not a... Uh, a formidable wrestler, even though his talent is insane. And remember when he showed up, when he debuted, he won like, well, like eight matches in a row. And they're like, is he ever going to lose? You know, uh, but now he's like the butt of the joke. And I think that's unfortunate. So, but shout out to Dexter Loomis for winning. And we'll see what, what, uh, what they do next Wednesday. Now they advertised a costume contest and it obviously, you know, wasn't a contest. I don't think anybody got judged, but Wade Barrett came out as bad news Barrett. Pretty cool to, for him to jump into character real quick, I would have preferred King Barrett, but that's because when I got into it, uh, Wade Barrett had actually just come back as Bad News, and then they uh, felt like they started League of Nations like almost immediately. Bad News Barrett really didn't do anything, and then he all of a sudden won King of the Ring and became King Barrett. So I didn't get much of a uh, much of of Bad News Barrett, uh, but then Vic Joseph dressing up as Waldo, and anyone who rocks Waldo, I'm down with. Um, you know, I grew up on the Where's Waldo books, uh, the Where's Waldo video game for NES. Oh yes, there was one if you're not old enough. Um, yeah, so I, Hey, Vic Joseph wins. Uh, Wade Barrett doesn't next matchup, uh, Ray Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez. And this is again, what I was talking about on, on the, the preview episode is that this is where Ray Ripley is going to show Raquel Gonzalez as a, a major talent. And I think she did. Every step of the way, Ray Ripley gave Raquel Gonzalez her body. It was, you know, a, a real, to me, to me, and this is just I, my bias watching Ray Ripley, and I'll put it out there, my bias. I say it every time I talk about her. Pound for pound, gender for gender, age for age, no one is as talented as Ray Ripley. And I give her the credit in this match for helping to raise up Raquel Gonzalez. They are both, I mean, they started out with tail of the tape. You know, they're two of the biggest women in in, in NXT, in the company, really. Uh, And by big, I mean, they're both 5'11", 6 foot, and they are strong, you know. And and they're they're two of the biggest. And that's how they started this match, as as a, a brutality match. You can see the points where Ray Ripley had to slow herself down to help Raquel, you know, get in these positions. And that's the only kind of, you know, thing that wasn't clean about this match. Overall, the two of them back and forth, they worked together really well. So I give all the shout outs to Ray Ripley. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez did look awesome as well. So I've said it for, you know, a couple a couple weeks now or maybe a couple months now that the growth of Raquel Gonzalez, it, it, who knows what she can turn into. She, she has a great look. Her promo last week. Uh, being the El Diablo, I would love to see that turn into like a real character of hers, be someone so menacing, hopefully get some wins, build herself up. 
I think would be great. Maybe this is uh, something we can kind of look for maybe a little bit down the line. Could you imagine the two of these as a tag team? Have Ray Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez go against Shayna and Nia? Probably the most formidable tag team you can think of to actually go up against them just on pure size. Because you can't really neutralize Nia Jax. I mean, the Riot Squad has tried and it's not working. And you need someone strong enough to defend against Shayna. And the only person to really defend against her, you know, would be Nia besides uh, Raquel and Rhea. So... I don't know. Let's let's keep an eye out for them maybe planting the seeds down the line. But I really like this match. I like everything Ray Ripley does. I am a Raquel Gonzalez fan. I will look forward to watching her down the line. And I think we got a, a, a pretty solid women's match. I mean, these, these two, they worked really well together. So, you know, let's hope that, that down the line they get a little bit more ring time. And let's see, you know, let's see. But good on Rhea and good on Raquel. Very, very, very solid match. Tommaso Ciampa with another awesome promo, you know, leads into just him being the, you know, just greatest NXT performer of all time. Uh, I, I tell you, I was never a really big Tommaso Ciampa fan. I didn't like his look because it was all look with no substance behind the character, you know, so they they uh, 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 they banked on his in-ring ability and darkness but I wasn't hearing the promos. I wasn't getting invested. And it was almost like you had to be a Tommaso Ciampa fan to like him. And that was it. So now, though, for sure, since I've been watching the last couple of years, especially with his comeback over the last like year and a half, this last set of Tommaso Ciampa is really what we need as the cornerstone of the brand. I mean, I guess maybe the last year or so, right, uh, when when. They, they did NXT straight up that he said, look, I will I would rather retire than go to Raw or SmackDown. And I think that's showing proof. I mean, supposedly he's working in the back with the younger guys, getting them, you know, up on their characters and their in-ring work. And, you know, by all means, uh, keep it going. Uh, Ciampa is a special talent. Closing out the show. Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai in the women's title match, which turned out to be a tables, ladders, and scares match, a TLS match, which is just a TLC match, but with tables, ladders, and scares. The first scare, uh, Candice pulls out a table from underneath the ring and drops a bag open of body parts. Her her acting was awesome. I legit thought she was going to throw up. But then Io Shirai grabs the arms and starts beating the shit out of her with <laughs> somebody else's arms. It's great. And then Axe discussed it. It, it. They did some cool shit. I'll tell you, Io Shirai and Candice LeRae have probably the best chemistry in NXT right now. They, they do so good together. I loved Candice LeRae's costume as Sally. Uh, the colors were perfect. The, the patchwork was awesome. Um, but yeah, man, they, they, they just work great together. If you didn't watch the match, man, go back and watch it. Because, look, we've all seen it before, right? Tables, ladders, and chairs match. And what do you get? You get a table spot. You get a chair spot. You get a ladder spot. But because these two have such great chemistry, this match was just main event level, pay-per-view quality. I mean, they just they they had a, a great chair spot. You know, simple suplex into a chair, but sold phenomenally and worked too very well. And then we had a phantom chair spot that got blown so they moved it over and 
into a different chair spot. And then that transitioned right into a table spot. And then they had these, imagine this, creative ladder spots. You know, there was one I'll give away if you haven't watched the match. Candice falls on the outside of the ring on top of a, a table. I'm sorry, on top of a ladder. Then she gets out the way, does a a, a, a leg scissors takedown, and EO falls. Candice pulls out another ladder, boom, drops it on her. So, like, they did a bunch of cool shit. And then, you know, into the ending was dope as well. You know, the mystery guy comes back out, tries to help Candace. Shotzi comes, squashes that. And then the way EO takes it to Candace to get the win, like, you know, they, these girls really sold it out for us. So bravo to them. And, and, and what a fantastic women's championship match. So, look, I have no problem with EO keeping it going. I have no problem with, with Candace losing. The overall arcing story of the Gargano way, I'm not digging Johnny being the champ and Candice. Not because you're not going to break them up. It's, it's just not going to happen. They're too on-screen married. They're too married in real life. It's just not not a thing that's going to happen. So I don't know how this Gargano ways, this Gargano way thing works with just Johnny as the champion. So go back and watch it. If you have watched it, I hope you loved it as much as I did. One of the best uh, singles tables, ladders, and chairs matches that I've seen. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic at all. I think when you look at actual wrestling chemistry and their ability to use the props for the match, it's it was done perfectly. Could it have been crazier and, and more dramatic and all that shit? Sure, but it didn't need to be. It was absolutely fantastic. So shout out to EO and Candice, two of the best doing it right now. But other than that, I think that's about all for Halloween Havoc. Like I said, Next time, I would love for it to be on a pay-per-view to give us that bigger moment feel. No commercials, taking it apart. And you know how NXT does when it comes to takeovers. So let's hope for 2021 we get Halloween Havoc as a takeover. And then, look, we'll transition into SmackDown. Happened last night. I think everybody loved the same thing. And this Roman Tribal Chief thing. I've been a Roman fan, like I've said, and I'll never stop saying. Since the build to WrestleMania 31, when I started watching again, Roman has been my guy. Everyone's shitting on him from the beginning. And again, props to Justin Time 211. He said it. I didn't like Roman. I was one of the ones booing him because it just I'm just watching what they wanted us to have. But this story that they're telling is undeniable. I could be paraphrasing you, and I apologize if I am, but I we know where we are on this. You know, we talk about this on Twitter often on how great of a job that they're, they're doing, and I know a lot of you guys out there are big Roman fans too. So, you know, shout out to Roman Reigns and the Tribal Chief and, and everything that's coming to it because, look, man, this this story has so much passion, so much emotion behind it that it you you can't help but to, you know, you know what it is? Look. My, my grandfather, who passed away, was one of those guys that if you have something bad to say about him, you're the asshole. And that's what this story is. If you have something bad to say about this story, you're the asshole. Because the, there's nothing you could... It's undeniable. It's an undeniable story. This is just the best on-screen work, period. Because look at it this way. Everyone thinks they know where this is going to go. Everybody thinks they know what they what we've already seen. But every step of the way, 
becomes this new little wrinkle. Is it predictable? Sure. But how we get there pulls you in every time? You know, when, when we were watching Brock Lesnar matches, and he starts to sell, and then all of a sudden he wins, and it's been four minutes, and you're like, oh, well, we knew he was going to win anyway. Like, as soon as he gets him up for the F5, it's over. How many is it going to take? One, two, or three. That's not what they're giving us here. Even at Hell in a Cell, Jay really had Roman out, really had him down. Jay was really out. He was really down. Was he going to say it? We all knew Jay was going to say it, but nobody guessed it was going to be because Jimmy got choked out. Nobody guessed that that the acceptance of being besides the tribal chief was going to go down like it did to, uh, on, 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 on SmackDown. Nobody guessed it going that way. Not only did Jay accept it, Jay went all in. All in. Now, yes, he did overact it a little bit, and and that was his... His hyping himself up. I fully believe he was hyping himself up in that moment to kind of get that grit going because he's not doing it arrogantly. He's not doing it like, yeah, that's my cousin. And they may come out that way, and, and, and I hope they don't. I hope he keeps the edge as, as stoic as Roman's been. Roman is just as aggressive and intense as Jay is, but he doesn't have displaced energy. Jay is bouncing all over the place because he's not sure what to wrap his head around. But now that he's accepted being by the side, has he accepted where his energy is now going to go? Is he going to be a savage heater? Is he just going to be that ass kicker that he turned out to be at the, end of the, at the end of SmackDown? What he did to Daniel Bryan was unforgivable. Unforgivable. He shouldn't be allowed to, to see Daniel Bryan without getting his ass whooped now. I mean, that's how unforgivable it was. And there's no backtracking either. He can't bump into Daniel Bryan and go, hey, hey, Oos, it's all good. You know, I had to let you know that Roman is the chief. I had to let him know I got his back. Now, don't ever step out of line again. No, it's not how it's going to be. There's going to be no apologies. This is all for the cause. And like Jay said, I get it. I understand. I love you too. And now he's there. Now he's there. Now, it could end up backfiring because of what Roman said, by show me, prove to me. Now, if Roman keeps using him as a hitman, I don't like it because that's not what this is about. Unless it's about righting all the wrongs. So if we're starting with Daniel Bryan and then we're heading to Seth Rollins and then we're going to Brock Lesnar, then we're, you know, I mean, who else has really, then we're going to Finn Balor. You know, who else has really done Roman wrong besides you know, the fans. Other than that, there really hasn't been anybody. Roman has gotten his way. Roman has gotten his victories. So who else can we go after with this story besides Daniel Bryan? Because Daniel Bryan, even though he's got tremendous victories over, he never won over the crowd when it came to Daniel Bryan. He never won over the crowd when it came to Seth Rollins. So where else can we go from here? But if Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins are what get us to WrestleMania, Hey, I'm okay with that, too. I'm okay with that, too. So the show started and closed with the Jey Uso stuff, and it was just tremendous. Just absolutely, absolutely tremendous. And there, there really is no other bright spot. And I got to tell you this, too, and, and a, a lot of you guys said it. A lot, a lot of you said it. Jey Uso now has victories in one-on-one -on -one competition clean over AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. AJ is my GOAT. 
Daniel Bryan is the darling of all of you guys who have been watching before the last six years. So I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Um, but Justin and I were talking, again, shout out again to my Twitter co-host. Um, Justin and I were talking, like, yes, I do, I do downplay how good Daniel Bryan is because he never presents himself in the ring the way I want to see him. I want to see Daniel Bryan as a striker. I want to see him ground-based and striking. I don't want him doing any flips. I don't want him coming off of any ropes. I think if he if he stays technical, ground-based, with strikes, and not the yes kicks where he fucking holds his hands together and does kicks. Don't do that. Because that's all gimmick. And when he does that gimmick, he takes too long. So if you're taking too long to kick me, I have time to block the kick. So that's why I hate the yes kicks. But if he if he sticks to striking and, and technical ground-based work... My opinion, that would be the best Daniel Bryan we can get. But when he does running knees and things like that to to build momentum towards a finish, it doesn't add up for me. And that's that's just my opinion of what I watch from Daniel Bryan. So anyway, two of the best on the planet, top to bottom, considered by just about all. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. Jey Uso has clean victories over. And not only does he have clean victories over them, he looked great in those matches. And not from a carried standpoint, because those guys definitely did their parts in those match. But Jay has bloomed, straight blossomed, into a fantastic singles wrestler. So, shout out to Jay Uso, becoming a legit contender. Even if all this shit breaks down, when, when it's all said and done, six months, a year from now, Jay Uso is a legit contender for any title, any singles match. He steps in the ring, you think he can win. And I, I, I couldn't be more happy. Now, from the best part to the worst part of SmackDown, the Lars Sullivan interview is just fucking trash. Look, let's 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 play a little game here, right? I know he's got the the out of the ring issues, all that other bullshit, right? So let's let's wipe the slate clean and just say the interview exists in a WWE vacuum. What's that supposed to accomplish? The guy is big, looks like he can kick a lot of ass, he looks like an asshole, yet you're trying to garner sympathy from some school story from when you were 10 or 11? I got picked on as a kid. I got red hair. I got called everything in a book. Now naturally my hair fell out, so I'm bald, and I couldn't be more happy about it, you know? Hey, can you guys give me sympathy for that? The fuck out of here. Then, the way he talks... Unfortunately, and I'm not saying this because I hate people with lisps, but the way he was talking, it doesn't help. He must have had some type of trauma to his gums because his mouth is shaped as if he has false teeth or no teeth in. So when you're looking at him, he he's not someone who's going to garner your sympathy when he's acting the way he is. So to my, my point from a week ago, maybe before that, why didn't they just put him as part of Retribution? Because whatever they're trying to do, and I'll, I'll go like a lot of you guys do, whatever Vince thinks this is going to happen, if Vince thinks he's going to be a star, it's not going to work. There's zero chance Lars Sullivan becomes a star. It just won't happen. There's nothing babyface about him to put on TV. And the only thing heel about him is everything. But in character and, and performance... But if you put him next to Keith Lee, I feel in my heart of hearts, blank canvas, Keith Lee could bust his ass. 
If you put him next to Randy Orton, Randy Orton can wrestle around him all day. Just because he's 6'4", 330 and can jump off the top rope, he, he don't do shit. Keith Lee does shit. Keith Lee is a freak. Lars Sullivan is a monster. He's more of a monster than Braun Strowman is. Braun Strowman is more of the world's largest athlete than the Big Show is. Because Braun Strowman's a better athlete than Big Show. So these monikers might be a little bit mixed up. But I tell you what, Lars Sullivan ain't shit. He ain't shit. And you're trying to put him in position to run through the... No. No. Because he can't run through anyone. Except for guys smaller than him. So you know what Lars Sullivan is? A fucking bully. And nobody likes bullies. Nobody. Even bullies don't like themselves. So there's nothing about this Lars Sullivan thing that's going to work. He should have come back in retribution and had a mask on. And been the, the heater. Or he should be a heater for someone else. Or someone else should be his manager. And, of course, everyone would liken it to, to Brock Lesnar because of the, the general shape and size of Lars Sullivan. And, and the look. He's got trunks and boots. He needs to be gimmicked up. He needs either a mask or face paint or something. Because his current presentation gives me nothing except for, I'm good. I'm good. When I see Lars Sullivan, I go, I'm good. Segment over, please. And the sit-down interview did nothing. If you're going to try to give, you know, like I said, garner some sympathy, put him in a suit or something. Put him in a shirt that actually looks good on him. He just looked like a mess. It's, it's, it's not working. It's not working, and I don't want any of it. Last episode of SmackDown, I even mentioned him. But they wanted to put him in my face, so I sat down, I watched the interview, I thought about it, and it didn't work. It's the same fucking dumbass interview that they did on Raw back way back when. Oh, you want to call me the freak? Fuck out of here. Nobody wants to call you a freak. Everybody wants to call you change the channel. Lars Sullivan ain't shit. Get him off my fucking TV. On a brighter note, we got a decent women's three-way match to get to uh, Survivor Series. And, you know, it, it wasn't the greatest, but it was pretty good. Uh, Lana had a fantastic slap on Bianca Belair that sets up the two of them to, you know, do some damage to each other. Should be fun. Uh, I preferred Bianca Belair's outfit this week much better than last week uh shout out to the halloween look that she had but it just it, you know it's it, it wasn't as distracting you know with the the popping blue off of all the white it was too distracting while she was working but just from that standpoint i mean it's the same clothing you know what i'm saying so it wasn't like how she looked in it it was just the visual aesthetics of the outfit you know but shout out to the to the orange one and shout out to bianca belair for being on the survivor series team another survivor series match uh qualifier that is Kevin Owens versus Dolph Ziggler. And look, maybe this is just why SmackDown's the better show. We got a match like them, and all you had to do was put Survivor Series stakes on it. And it looked and felt different than it usually would. Because if we're like, oh, Kevin versus Dolph with nothing on the line, whatever, we'll get a good wrestling match. Well, we got a good wrestling match with stakes on the line. So there was drama added to it. And I, I thought it was great. It just it, SmackDown's just the better wrestling show. Street Profits versus... Cesaro and Nakamura. Just a great wrestling match. Cesaro throwing Montez Ford over the barricade, yet... Look, and again, I've I've been touting Angelo Dawkins from the gate. You know, Montez Ford is such an overwhelming character. But Angelo Dawkins can go, man. The guy can wrestle. His his in-ring work is not see-through. He's a very, very talented wrestler. So, I mean, both of them are going to have great careers. And 
They won't be the Street Profits forever. Nobody ever is. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, you know, but yeah, great great wrestling match again between them, Cesaro, and Nakamura. It was just a, another great match. Another great match. And yeah, I'm overusing great, but still, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. Like, if you have wrestling matches that make you not turn the screen, hello, Raw. You know, you don't want people to change the channel. Put on really good wrestling matches that have something to do with something. Now, yes, is this Nakamura and Cesaro going at it again, but not really getting anything out of it? Okay, you know, let's give the Street Profits different opponents. And that's what, you know what, that's what they would have done back in the 90s. So I'll shit on it a little bit, right? If the Street Profits were, let's say, the Hart Foundation in the 90s, and that might even be a bad example. But anyway, they had a promo to cut on something that was going to happen down the line. They wouldn't face someone, you know, in the next segment on, on whatever show that's close to number one contendership. No, they would face... You know, some enhancement talent, you know, or some very low-ranked uh, tag team. They, they wouldn't face anybody close to number one contendership because we know down the line we may see them again in a higher capacity. So, I don't know. It's just there's there's one way to get over on, on SmackDown, you know what I'm saying? But other than that, I mean, it's a great match. You don't want to see nothing different. Uh, we got uh, Sami Zayn talking about how he's going to face Bobby Lashley at Survivor Series. Uh Another promo we also had was uh, Sasha Banks saying how she's going to face Asuka at Survivor Series as well. You know, a little interruption by Bailey. You know, so we get Bailey versus Sasha next week on SmackDown. Yay. I mean, we got to dead the feud, man. Like, you gave us so much already, and we don't need that. You know, I, I want the feud to either press pause, you know, and then give us a, a WrestleMania moment. But we're not getting that, you know. We're not getting that. <laughs> we're, they're, they're giving us too much Sasha and Bailey, too much. Uh, I want to see. I want to see Sasha versus Oscar. You know, we got a classic between Sasha and Bailey at at Hell in a Cell. And the best thing you do with classics is you let them breathe. You know, you you can't revisit the situation right away because it it taints that last time that we seen them. You know, if if I told you that the last time we saw Sasha versus Bailey was at Takeover Brooklyn, we'd be like, damn ready for that shit the man that match was so awesome but every time you put them in front of us after that it 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 loses luster so we just had a great match with with them at hell in a cell so why are we rushing into you know barely trying to get that title back again it's just it's too much it's too 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 much so just to run it back you know the show closed out with with a, a great match between jay uso and daniel bryan and you know, look, when, when the match ended, I was like, oh, well, there's there's five minutes left. You know, what what could actually happen in the next five minutes? I said, it's a little too long for Jey Uso to go, I accept, I'll be back. Because I thought he was going to do it begrudgingly, and I thought he was going to do it stoically. And like I said before, like, that misplaced energy, you know, he's got to get that out. Because um, I can't imagine him being this hype all the time. So, look, I'm really glad that... You know, as as a lot of you guys call it, the bloodlines coming together. We'll, we'll see what happens with Jimmy too. Jimmy wasn't even on the episode, so does Jimmy come out? You know, next Friday and try to talk out Jay. I mean, this man, this story has legs. It really has legs. They are taking their time and they're telling each individual part of the story at the same time, slowly, methodically, and only with a little bit of layover. A little bit of layover here, a little bit of layover here, or overlap, sorry. You know, and, and it's 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 
being done so well. So uh, I look forward to next Friday. We'll see what happens. Um, hopefully Jimmy, you know, gets into this and, and, and we can kind of push what's going to happen going forward. Uh, but also what was on stake, you know, with Daniel Bryan and Jey Uso was the Survivor Series team. So we're getting Jey Uso and Kevin Owens on the Survivor Series team for the men and Bianca Belair on the Survivor Series team for the women. Sami Zayn versus Bobby Lashley and hopefully Sasha versus Asuka. So uh, other than that, let's do some some Twitter shout outs at Roman Empire YSR. At Thandy87, that's at T-H-A-N-D-I-E-87. Uh, both of them for hitting up some likes of my, my opinions on Twitter. But that's basically what this podcast is. You know, my Twitter opinions put down in words. Um, at Gullum Ali 93 hopefully I said your name right, G-H-U-L-A-M-Ali93. He hopped onto a thread with me and Justin and, and basically just appreciated how we look at wrestling. You know, you can take this and get offended. You can try to predict what you need to. But if you just take what's given to you and enjoy the ride, you know, you're going to have more fun. At T-Tights, T-E-A-T-I-G-H-T, T and Tights Podcast. Uh, They said they took a break for the last six months. They followed my handle, you know, and and good luck to them. I'll put them in the queue, give them a listen. Also, at Chat Grapple Pops, I've been listening to their podcast. They're a YouTube show that uploads to podcast form as well. Um, they're really funny to listen to, man. They just did WrestleMania 8, where I just listened to their WrestleMania 8 episode. I'm actually not sure where I am with them. I just kind of pick a couple, and uh, they have some really funny banter back and forth. So uh, check them out. And last but not least, I want to thank at ThunderRosa22, uh, the female wrestling sensation right now, Thunder Rosa, of the former NWA champion. Uh, look, I, I got a follow from her. Uh, a lot of us did. She was asking about what what podcasts do you guys listen to? Uh, what media outlets do you follow? Uh, at Justin Time Two Eleven and at Good Good Bad Wrestle uh, both suggested me. Uh, if anybody else suggested me, I didn't see it. Sorry, um, but when you guys put my name out there, uh, Thunder Rosa followed back and or followed me out of nowhere because um, I wasn't sure if I was following her yet, but. Look, I'm, I'm super happy that Thunder Rosa is following my account. I know a lot of you guys got it too. I'm hoping to... I actually asked her. I said, hey, are you doing interviews? Because she put out a cryptic tweet about time to say goodbye. I don't know if that was about the title or about the NWA. And I had put out there some of the WWE matches of hers that I would want to see. So, you know, hopefully in the future we get to see a lot more of Thunder Rosa on screen. Her match with uh, Sheeta, Hakuri Sheeta, was phenomenal. Her match with Serena Deeb on uh on on aw was great and i know she lost the title to serena deeb the the nwa women's title to serena deeb i gotta find that match if you guys know where that match is shoot me a link listen i'm I'm glad to be back sorry this one's pushing around 40 minutes um you know I, i missed it so i'm glad to be back uh maybe some other things happening in the future we'll see i got some some irons in the fire as they say uh, we'll see how some things go. I've been talking to some buddies locally and internationally, and you know maybe we'll we'll get this thing rocking a little bit, a little bit harder. So thank you everyone for your support. Thank you all for waiting. Uh, let's get this podcast, you know, growing in numbers again. We hit a lull uh, before I took a break, 
and let's let's try to get all these episodes above double digits. And my goal for the beginning of 2021 is to uh, you know get over 100 an episode. So let's keep this thing going. Let's keep this thing riding. So, with that being said, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Instagram and Twitter. Share your terrible wrestling takes via my pinned tweet. Email me, bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. Until next time.